If you're an empathic, creative, and entrepreneur, you might relate to the need, like the absolute need to follow your gut above all else. You might have found yourself in situations where you made a commitment from a place of what felt like your truth, only to then change your mind right before you're about to commit or right after you've already committed. While you know it's important to follow your gut, you're also aware that doing so might mean that you're required to change your mind or do a little course correct. And while you might be okay with this, what will everyone else think? If you're a more energetically sensitive, creative, or entrepreneur who's ready to transform your sensitivities into your superpowers so that you can spend more time in the flow and less time in the internal struggle, then you've come to the right place. The Empathic Entrepreneur Podcast with Anna Long-Stokes is a business and marketing podcast where we'll uncover the roadblocks that most energetically sensitive entrepreneurs and creatives face on their journey to success and how to move past these blocks to live a more purpose-driven and energetically aligned life. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Empathic Entrepreneur Podcast. My name is Anna Long-Stokes, and in today's episode, we're going to discuss how, as empaths, following our gut might have consequences, and how we can learn to embrace this quality in ourselves while doing as little harm as possible to others, aka pissing as few people off as possible. Okay, so a few months back, I did a little Instagram reel about how it's okay to change your mind. In fact, as empaths, many of us have to literally feel our decisions and then course correct based off how we feel. This little reel that I did got a lot of likes and comments. Apparently, I wasn't the only one who needed permission to make a decision and then change my mind. I kind of forgot about that reel, and I just recently had an amazing human design strategy session with Anna Lois Davies. I might be saying her middle name wrong there. I'll put a link to her website in the show notes, and I hope to have her on the podcast soon. But what came up in this human design strategy session was that for my particular human design, I drew or harnessed a lot of my power from my sacral chakra space. So this is also known in my psychic work and kind of in general uh, chakra knowledge as your place of emotion. So what this means is that I don't really tend to make my decisions based on logic. My power, my power comes from knowing from a place of feeling or sensing. So it's not really any surprise, obviously, that I've coined myself as an empathic entrepreneur. Now, does this mean that I'm illogical or that I don't understand strategy? No, not at all. But what this is, is that at the end of the day, when all is said and done, I tend to make my decisions based off of my gut even if the logic says I should do otherwise. 
So I'm going to give you just some more tangible ideas of what this has looked like for me. I have hired people who looked good on paper, but felt pretty awful in person. So I had to fire them, which is always awkward and uncomfortable. I have committed to schooling or programs that seemed like they would be a good fit for me. And then I changed my mind the first day of class or after the first class. I've made it through a five-part application process for a job I thought I really wanted, only to turn it down after I got the offer because it just didn't feel right. I've signed business leases and apartment leases and had to cancel part of the way through because my gut has taken me elsewhere. So to be honest, I love this about myself. But what I've noticed is that many other people don't love this about me. In fact, it can make me seem flaky. Or if you think the worst of me, it can make me seem as though I have no integrity, since integrity is often associated with people doing what they say and saying what they do. So sometimes I'll say one thing or make a commitment, but when I go to do it, it doesn't feel right. So I have to back out, thus possibly impacting the other party involved or pissing somebody off. It felt really good to have this human design session with Anna and have this character trait of mine confirmed in my human design. I'm not a flake. I'm an empath. I'm not a flake. It's in my human design. But since I live in a world full of people of all types of designs, it's helpful to have a framework of understanding for how I am and how I can navigate this while living in the world among all these other people who may not share in that same design as me. Maybe you can relate. I think there are more people like this out there than will admit, mostly because they're really conditioned to putting others' needs before their own. I know many people who are actually very in touch with their empathic abilities and their gut feelings but they will shove these away or kind of lock them away in a box because they know that if they act on them, there is a big possibility that it's going to, I'm going to use this in quotes, negatively impact others with their quote unquote selfish desires. And so what they end up doing instead of following their gut and making these decisions that feel right a big group of people end up numbing themselves. They do this through meds, drugs, alcohol, or on the flip side, if none of that is your thing, you might end up harboring some deep anger. It's an energy of martyrship or martyrdom of having so many days, months, and years of putting the needs of others before yourself when somewhere really deep down you know that you need a change, even if that change is going to be hard to make, or it's going to be off-putting for others close to you, or at the periphery. It doesn't matter. My opinion is that it's better to just pull the Band-Aid off and deal with the energy associated with following your gut. And it might not be pretty. Like, like I said, it's not fun to fire people. Or there's one gal I really, I'll just give you an example. I really enjoyed her company and she applied for a position at my beauty business in the early days. And I really liked her. She really liked me. 
But my gut told me this is not a fit. My gut told me she is someone who really uh, needs creative freedom, which with the type of company I was building, I wasn't allowing my staff um, too much creative freedom. I'll be honest about that. Um, I really had a strong creative vision and wanted things implemented a certain way. So people who tended to um, kind of like to be told what to do or they wanted to be a part of someone else's vision, they did really great. People who needed more creative freedom, it was time for them to do their own thing. And I completely agree. Um, I mean, I understand because I love my creative freedom. But at the time, I had to tell her, I'm sorry, um, you didn't get the job. And I told her, look, I, I think um, I think you need to do your own thing. And we kind of left it at that. And we didn't talk for a year or two. And then eventually she reached back out to me and she said, you know, I understand now why you didn't hire me. And thank you for that. Because what she ended up doing instead was she didn't end up working for anybody else. She went and did her own thing successfully, might I add, very successfully. So I was following my gut. And I made a decision that seemed a bit awkward, awkward to have that discussion at the time. But in the end, it really is what I believe was best for both parties. If I had sort of shoved those emotions down, I think we probably would have ended on worse terms later on down the road when she felt essentially strangulated by my control or when I felt sabotaged or betrayed when she left. It could have gone down differently, but because I followed my gut, I feel like things happened in the way they were supposed to happen. So I would call that like pulling the bandaid off, just letting her know, hey, my gut tells me no, here's why I got to go with that. So um, there've been many other times it didn't go so smoothly. Maybe I did not follow my gut. And there has been a lot of drama because of it. Or or maybe I did follow my gut and there's drama. It doesn't matter. But what I kind of want to talk about a little bit in this episode is what if you can follow your gut, but avoid a lot of the drama? Is that possible? So ever since my call, uh, my human design strategy call, I've been asking myself if it's possible to live fully in my design but reduce the consequences on those around me. Because believe it or not, um, maybe I've pissed somebody off. Maybe somebody doesn't like me because of the things I've had to back out of or the decisions I've had to make. I mean, I think we can all relate to having to be the bad guy sometimes. But what if we can sort of mitigate that? In social work, we call that harm reduction. Uh, The idea with harm reduction in social work is that Yeah, people are going to have addictions. People are going to have drug addictions that might lead to homelessness. But if you require people to maintain, if you require people to maintain sobriety to keep their housing, then you're really setting them up for failure. Give them housing first, set them up an environment where they can have the stability uh, and the sobriety will follow, or maybe it won't. But at the end of the day, it's less harm on them and less harm in society if we can stabilize their housing. So that's kind of harm reduction from a social work perspective with drugs and housing. But how I think of harm reduction from a empath's perspective is what are the things we can be doing so that we can live in our truth? We don't have to drastically change our life. We can make decisions based off our design, based off our empathic abilities, but we can also try to mitigate the drama so we're not always disappointing people. 
If you can relate to this trade in yourself, then maybe you'll enjoy some of these ideas I've compiled here. And let's get started. Okay, so some of the ideas to reduce harm to others while allowing yourself to thrive as an empathic decision maker are as follows. Okay, so number one, embrace the trial run before committing. So for instance, say that you're super interested in a new gym membership or a job or an employee. Is there a way for you to test these out before committing? So for instance, I would never buy a year-long gym membership and pay up front without doing a week-long trial first. Most gyms offer that. So take them up on that. If you're someone who knows that you really need to feel into something, then allow yourself some time to feel into it and make a decision. This goes for a job too. Like um, I know a lot of like some of the best employees I had while running my company, they didn't just like find us on Craigslist and apply. They came in as clients first and sort of got to know us that way. And then before they applied, they said, hey, can I shadow for a day and see what it's like to work here? They themselves knew that they needed to feel right about their decision. And so they tested the waters. And um, there, of course, what we started doing with my company as well was we would have people shadow before hiring because maybe in a 30-minute interview, this person looks really good on paper, but in a two-hour shadow session, we start to see things that it's not that there's things that are wrong with people, but maybe we just know that they're not going to be a fit with the team we have. And so there were times people shadowed and we said, yeah, we don't feel like this is going to work. And then it's like, no harm, no foul. You don't have to go through all the paperwork of the hiring and firing. You can just say, yeah, this, this didn't work. Um, so number one, embrace the trial run before committing. I know, and I'll just say this as a side note, there's a lot of times in life, um, because I am a recovering people pleaser, that I want to make people happy. So if someone's trying to sell me a gym, gym membership, I would be like, oh my God, like I want this person to hit their sales goal. I know it's going to make their day if, if they, you know, get me to sign this membership or, you know, if you're searching for apartments and they want you to sign up on the spot, like I know it's going to make their day, but like, take a step back and know this about yourself and know what you need as an empathic decision maker. Okay, so number two is to embrace your identity as an, I'm calling it an empathic decision maker. You can call it what you want. You can call it by the name of your um, human design, if that's something you know much about or you do a session with. But if you really resonate with this episode, it's likely that it's time to embrace this quality in yourself rather than feeling bad or feeling like a failure, which to be quite honest, I've spent um, a bit of my adult life feeling like a square peg and a round hole, like I needed to make decisions like other people, or I needed people to validate me or understand me, even if it seemed illogical. I literally remember when I started my successful skincare company, I started it with a partner and things went south fast. And we ended up essentially getting a business divorce. We had a couple mediation sessions before we parted ways. And one of the things my ex-business partner said about me was, well, Anna doesn't make decisions from a place of logic. And I was so offended. But actually, she was right. Like, 
sometimes my decisions are logical and sometimes they aren't. But what I will tell you is that all of my best decisions have always been made from my gut. Even if other people say, that's not going to work, Anna, that's a bad decision, da-da-da-da-da, I go, whatever, I'm listening to my gut. And like those are the ones that pay off. This is why when I consult with people, I'm really big on using intuition alongside strategy. Yes, I can create a business model for you that's going to make you a million dollars a year or whatever your goal is. But if there's no intuition involved in it, if there's none of that behind it, it's just a plan. And anyone can come up with a financial plan for you. But can they intuitively address the blocks you have? Can they intuitively address some of the habits that might get in your way that is really catered to your needs? Like, no, that's something that more intuitive or empathic business consultants do. So I'm saying this because it kind of went off on a tangent there, but own the fact that yeah, maybe your freaking decision doesn't make sense. Maybe, especially financially, I'm going to say there's so many things that I've invested in financially that I then just get, meh, never mind. And people are like, what are you, what are you doing? Like, like you just bought this, you just did that. And I'm like, yeah, it didn't work. It didn't feel right. So like I had to like course correct at the end of the day. Um, it all evens out. If I am in an energy of feeling unhappy or feeling like a martyr, I will tell you what, I don't make money. And if you're an empath, I think you can relate. So in life, if you are not hitting your goals, if things don't feel like they're in the flow, then you need to look at what are some desires that you haven't been allowing to come to the surface because you're afraid of how they will impact other people. So embrace your identity. Embrace the fact that you are somebody who makes decisions based on their gut. And rather than feeling bad about this need of yours, you can let people know up front. And you could even strategize with them on how they might be able to accommodate this part of you. So for instance, let's say that you did a trial run at the gym and therefore felt comfortable committing. But then happily, life happened, and you find yourself moving to a new city or a new part of town. And so you needed to break the longer commitment. Had you been upfront with the gym about how you weren't into long-term commitments, they may have been able to offer you a non-advertised alternative um, because you're not the only one. So if you needed the flexibility, you could have it. So even if people aren't like advertising this, it's worth letting people know up front, hey, I'm not much into long-term commitments. I found I do better with month to month or I do better with session to session or I do better with XYZ. And you can kind of just give them a little explanation. Um, It can just mitigate some of the drama up front and it might get you a better deal. It might save you money. I know um, my gym charges 200 a month for a year-long commitment, but if you want the luxury of a month-to-month, you're gonna you're gonna pay out the nose for it. They charge 500 a month, but um, that might sound like a lot, but it is a swanky gym. And if you only live in town for three months out of the year, let's say, and you're going there seven days a week those three months out of the year, it's still gonna save you money to do month-to-month. So. You know, these are just kind of, I don't know, little harm reduction tactics for yourself and other people. 
Okay, number three, another thing if you are an empathic decision maker is be open and honest about how you roll when making commitments to others. This especially goes for like job commitments, friends. This is not just like the person at the gym who you don't really care maybe what they think about you if you break your gym commitment. So there are a few friends I have who allow me all the grace in the world when it comes to changing my mind. And there are others who like get super angry and want to like burn me at the stake for having the gall to change my mind or change a plan. And you can just say like we operate super differently and I have a lot fewer of those types of people in my life at this point, since I don't want to be made to feel bad every time something comes up that pulls me away from a commitment. So rather than disappointing others, I try to leave things a bit more open-ended, letting people know up front that I'm not 100% sure, so don't necessarily count on me. So I'm not talking about small things like keeping coffee dates. What I'm referring to here is more like the big stuff, like trips that are six months out. Do I want to go on a trip with you six months from now? I can tell you, yes, I certainly do. What's going to happen between now and six months? I really have no idea. So if you're one of those people who needs a firm commitment and you expect me to keep my plans, I'm honestly just not going to plan that trip with you. It's not going to happen because I don't feel comfortable committing to that. I have had to cancel. I don't know if you've listened to my other episodes. I've had to cancel a lot of travel this last year not for anything empathic related, but because I had medical things come up. And so at this point, I'm taking a much more like laissez-faire day-by-day approach to a lot of my decisions. And I just try to be honest about that. And if this person, whether it's a friend or a family member or whoever, like if they need that commitment, they should definitely prioritize asking someone else who is a little bit more similar to them in their planning and decision making, because there's definitely a lot of people who do not operate their decision making space in this way. And um, actually, it makes them really comfortable to be uh, friends or in relationships and partnerships with people like us, which then can make people like us feel like something's wrong with us, or we're crazy when really, it's just, it's in our design. And we're not crazy. It's just the way we operate. We operate sort of in different frameworks. Okay, so number four, this really is for uh, business owners. I'm going to tell you to set your business up to play to your strengths. So ask yourself if there are changes that need to be made in your business to accommodate your empathic decision making. So maybe rather than let's say you're a web designer and you provide support to clients after you build their website, maybe rather than signing year-long agreements with clients, you do month-to-month contracts for support so that if the energy shifts, which if you're an empath, it probably will, and it probably will quickly, you can easily make changes without feeling like you need to ride something out that simply is no longer in alignment with you. A good example of this was in my previous beauty business. We had a monthly membership similar to a gym and it only allowed clients to carry one appointment over. So if you didn't make it one month, you could make it the next. You could make it twice the next one, or you could gift it to a friend. But other than that, it would just sort of disappear. And we did ask for a six-month commitment, but ultimately we were like, dude, if if you need to leave before then, that's fine. Just give us 30 days notice. And you know, we were pretty like flexible about that. 
so we took the we took the payments month to month rather than upfront and this worked out really good for us when the pandemic hit and we were asked to shut down immediately and for who knows how long we had no idea so when we reopened 3 months later our clients who had missed their march appointment when we shut down were able to book that and then reset up their membership again on a month to month basis and i liked I liked this when we shut down because at the time we had no idea when we were going to reopen and I was so grateful to not feel obligated to refund clients a bunch of money that I had likely already spent. I heard of uh, one of my friends had a membership to like a kettlebell gym and she had paid I don't know, I think a couple grand up front for a year membership. And I think she was one or two months into it. They shut down, they never reopened and they never refunded her. And it's like, I see it from the tragedy on both sides of how that just didn't work. But I am someone who's not super comfortable like taking money unless I know I'm going to be able to deliver the service. So the whole paying for a year up front to get a deal doesn't feel good to me. So I never set my company up that way. Now, did I know a pandemic was going to hit when I created our membership model? Like, no, of course not. But I knew what felt right for me. And I followed that. And we have kept that model for years. The new owners who took over the company still keep that model. And it works great for clients and for the company. Because as it turns out, there are a lot of other women out there who don't actually enjoy making year-long commitments as well, and who like to know that they have an out if needed. So on a final note, for every person who might struggle or judge you for this quality, for this empathic decision making, I bet there is another one who admires it. At this point, I've been living my life like this, making decisions from my empathic space for years. And those who are closest to me definitely notice it. And the joke is usually something along the lines of like, what's Anna up to now? As in, I guarantee you it is not what she was up to six months ago. And they're right. It really never is. And so a lot of them just compliment me on it. They compliment me on my ability to listen to my gut and go with the flow and to put my needs first. If you've listened to my other episodes, you know that I'm not a big fan of needing validation from other people's. But in this case, I'm just going to let you know that others are absolutely going to validate you and love you even more for embracing this part of your human design or for this quirky quality, whatever you want to call it. Okay, so this list isn't exhausted, but it's a start. And I hope that these four actionable things help out a little bit if you find yourself in that category of being a more empathic decision maker. I am going to be really playing with these, these actionable items for the remainder of this year, for the remainder of 2022. And I'm going to keep you in the loop as this evolves. And if you have ideas of other ways to sort of mitigate some of the challenges of being an empathic decision maker, or you want to share how this has worked for you or hasn't, or you just want to say hello, then feel free to DM me on Instagram. We can connect and we can talk more about this. Okay, that's all for today. But in the meantime, keep creating. Thanks for listening to the Empathic Entrepreneur Podcast. 
If you're an energetically sensitive creative or entrepreneur looking to find more ease and profits in your creative and business endeavors, then check out our Empathicpreneur Academy, a community and program designed to help you get out of the start-stop-start process so that you can move through the fear, drop the resistance, and show up and do the work you came here to do. Learn more at www.empathicpreneur.com or click the link in the show notes.